Hey, you've made it to Sprayspace, where people managing social media accounts come for community. This year, our focus is social media for good. Together, we can work to make social media a landscape for healthy online communities to grow. Sound good? Then come along with us on the Sprayspace podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and strive to make social media better for us all. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sprayspace podcast. I'm Lacey, and today I have the fabulous Seth and the wonderful Adrian here today. Hi, how you doing? doing Hello. Good. Are you doing good, Adrian? How good? I am doing. I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I've been answering like this lately, middle with no explanation, <laughs> just middle. <laughs> yeah, being in the PNW, the Pacific Northwest, it is really hard coming through a dreary, dark, wet winter, and then you get the fake spring. You get like yes. spring for a week in March, and it's all sunny and beautiful, and you're like, oh my gosh, I felt my like like a. 30% of my sadness just go away with the sunshine. With the sunshine, week. that's it. And then, so it's been sunny, and then today it's back to rain, and it was just like, It's true. <laughs> Makes it worse. Okay, well, let's start out with um, some joy for you, Adrian. okay? So, Seth, you haven't been on in a while, so I want to ask you, is there a piece of social media content this week that you ingested that brought you joy? Uh, most definitely. Um, so <laughs> there's always social media that brings me joy. Uh, <laughs> I actually haven't spent a whole lot of time on social media. I've just kind of been taking a break just because I felt I needed one. But I did come across a TikTok this last week that um, just made me laugh and share. And it was, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie The Notebook, but it was ah, a stitch uh -huh. off of the scene of that where they're like out on the lake in the boat and they're rowing and then it starts raining and everything. But it was 2021 version and it was a guy and a girl in a bathtub uh, and the guy's got like an oar hanging out of the bathtub and it looks like he's rowing. And then the lady like partway through turns on the shower. And like it's so raining. everything's like, yeah, so everything's like seamless with the actual scene, but it was, um, it, I don't know, to me it just, it tickled me the right way way and, and it just made me happy so. oh i love that how fun yeah you'll have to do that with sarah soon okay send that our oh, way definitely <laughs> <laughs> okay so our main topic today that i want to focus on is basically what's wrong with social media okay so Everybody who's listening likely knows if you've listened to our content before that our main focus is social media for good. And as Adrian and I were kind of discussing this over the last week or so, we kind of had to kind of shake ourselves for a second and remind ourselves like, yes, social media for good. It's important for us to focus on the good that's already happening and what people are doing to bring more good into the world through social media. But let's be real. It's not all love and light, positive vibes only, right? Like <laughs> it, it's, it can't be or else we're totally not focused on what's happening underneath that makes us have to focus on social media for good in the first place. So y'all ready to talk a little bit about what's wrong with social media? Let's do it. Oh yeah, I love I love this. Adrian loves a good <laughs> rant, so here we go. <laughs> so I put out this question um, on Facebook on my personal profile and then in our Sprayspace community on Facebook and we got a lot of answers back. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, that should tell you something, Lacey, that like, of like the as I noticed that the most interaction you got from people you've gotten from people in social in in our group 
is when you ask them what's wrong. <laughs> you know, maybe I, I worded the question just right for engagement, right? I know people like to talk about what's wrong with things. So if you yeah. just ask somebody to tell you what's wrong with something, they're going to answer really, really well. So yeah, um, one of the things that came up the most, it came from Patrick Kerwin, it came from Marcin, it came from Mike, is misinformation. Right. I mean, this was the most common answer people were giving was misinformation. So, Adrian, would you agree that overall misinformation is one of the biggest things wrong with social media right now? Oh, yeah. I, yes. Yes. I mean, misinformation for a century. I mean, since, you know, the existence of humans, there's been misinformation that there's been rumor. There's been, mm. you know, stories being told. There's been, um, you know, I'm not up on my Shakespearean dramas, but I'm sure there is <laughs> some sort of Shakespearean, you know, play from back in the day where somebody started started a misinformation campaign and then somebody died from it. I'm sure there is. Um, so it's like kind of like a human nature to spread misinformation. But since we have this massive platform that's Facebook now, I think I, I think I wrote somewhere that it's like being in high school with one billion people. Yes, I think you're. that's <laughs> such a good metaphor. You don't know what to believe in high school. You don't know who's telling the truth. And now there's a billion people that you don't know what to believe and who's telling the truth. What about you, Seth? Have you kind of had any experience with this in your daily life or over the past year where you've had to kind of come face to face with that misinformation with yourself, your friends, your family? Oh, yeah. I think, you know, anyone, especially on Facebook, I don't know why, but Facebook seems to be the big one for misinformation. It's all about um, the algorithms, man. You know, if if people like it, it gets spread. Um, and honestly, so obviously anyone on Facebook has seen misinformation. The problem that I see the most with mis misinformation is the clash that it has with, um, I don't want to use the term freedom of speech, but the whole point of social media is so I can get on there and share my opinion with my friends. The problem is, is someone takes my opinion and, and I think someone actually commented this in the thing is people treating opinions as though they're facts. I go on and I post my opinions for my friends to see. Someone grabs it and says, oh my gosh, the world's on fire, shares it as though it is straight out of the New York Times, and suddenly you've, you've created a piece of mis misinformation when all you wanted to do was share your opinion on a subject, you know? Mm -hmm. um, that's the biggest thing I see with misinformation. I think there are those that are intentionally like feeding people, but, but people's opinions just being way too highly shared seems to be a huge thing. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, there's there's issues with the platform for this too. One of the things that Teresa Potratz, who we've had on the podcast before mentioned is people not understanding how social media works. And I think that that plays into misinformation a lot, right? Um, sure. not, not everybody knows how to check the source of something that they're seeing. And, and the platform itself, if you hit, I don't know if you all have seen yet, but there was like a new icon on the bottom when you log in mobile and it's like a news icon and it lets you scroll through news articles um, and it just shows the headlines and then it has the share button right there like the share button <laughs> as if that's the go-to objective they want you to do is share it without even reading the article you only are looking at the headline like what do you expect yeah. yeah yeah it's it's kind of it goes to show human behavior and probably what scientists already already knew we are all lazy we don't like reading and if you have to read a bunch of stuff to let to be able to participate in a conversation less people are going to do it and so the the 
the bar to participate in conversation uh, has been lowered. <laughs> you know, it, it's <laughs> so so if you take and and like you say, Lacey, headlines, we write headlines, blog writers write headlines to be clickbait. And so we've seen this before where you read a headline and then you actually read the article and it's related and but the headline is you know, maybe it's not completely misleading. Maybe not maybe it's not a complete lie, but it's in the gray area where it's like this headline was written to make somebody, you know, induce rage. Yeah. It was not written with the truth and kernel of truth of the actual article in mind because media conglomerates or whatever you basically get more subscriptions based on how many eyeballs you have or you know the more eyeballs more, the ad more numbers based more on ad your... money mm-hmm. exactly so it's kind of like we've created this system that it's like well are, if the media companies quit making if they make truthful but boring headlines they're gonna go out of business Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're they just... gonna have more extremes so i would love to see some sort of better education with this around communications professionals because i know that when i was taking journalism classes you know we were taught to write headlines around the facts right it had there were very i, I edited i was the ta for these journalism classes where I had to make sure that the headlines were within the fact and that we were using all the names properly. You failed if you misspelled a proper noun, you know, I have trauma <laughs> over that. Um, but but nobody's doing that in in social media communications. There's there's no there's no accountability for that. I, I wish we could have some better education around the balance between drawing attention and um, being factual. Yeah. And media literacy for I mean kids starting when they're little kids. If if we had more media literacy programs starting one from when you're little coming all the way up, you know, that would be huge. I mean I think about like my dad or my grandpa. My grandpa read like three newspapers a day, cover to cover. So he would read from three different, the argument on social media about misinformation is everyone's like, oh, everything, everything is misinformation. All the news is wrong and like all this stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, they all have their own biases. They all are published, have a had an, have an editor, or have owners. There's all these, you know, upper echelon people. But if you read three different newspapers and three different articles, and there's a certain standard of a certain editorial standard, right? Uh, the the onus is on the reader to critically mm-hmm. think <laughs> and take the common. Th- Themes and yes. facts from the same three, you know, news articles, and think, okay, well, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Maybe that's a little bit ex- a bit exaggerated, but you know, there's this. It's up to us to do the work of thinking, but people don't want that. They want to be to be fed. What should I think about this? Why should I be mad now? <laughs> why should I be mad right? now? <laughs> that, is that why people log on to social media half the time? <laughs> what should I be mad about today? Tell me, <laughs> Adrian. I that's actually really interesting because I totally. Um, think it might even be a little bit worse than that because rather than people not being willing to go and do the critical thinking, I think people actually seek out articles that will line up with the way that they feel Mm. or the way that they understand a situation. Um, 
And so they don't even bother to read the three articles to see because they're like, oh, I found this one. It tells me exactly what I want to hear. It must be the truth because I feel it. And I'm going to hit that share button six million times. <laughs> so, Seth, yeah. both Paul Kuth, Laura Beers, and Tom Hag, who uh, commented, all talked about confirmation bias as yes. one of the biggest problems with social media, too. Right. So we know we know. Um, that the way that the algorithms work is that when you put your attention on something, when you engage with something, then the, the algorithm says, okay, I'm going to send you more information like that, um, which creates more and more of this divide between people, right? In the social yeah. dilemma that we researched so much last year, we saw that you basically, if you do that enough, you can almost live in two different realities, right? You don't understand why these people believe what they believe because their feed and the information that they're getting is totally different than yours because of what you've engaged with. So do you think that confirmation bias issue, um, Seth, is also one of the biggest problems on social media? Oh, definitely. I mean, since, since algorithms came out um, to tell you what you should and should not see, we have been training our algorithms. Like I literally will intentionally go in and be like, I'm not sure why this is popping up, but you can go into the background of Facebook and say, why am I seeing this? I don't want to see this and get rid of it. Um, we've been training our algorithms forever. So I think that's definitely a huge part of it. That's so smart, Seth. I think I think people don't really realize, technologically speaking, it's not like, you know, uh, Facebook or Google will go to Congress and testify in Congress about about whatever it is, you know, laws and bills that, that are trying to push through about um, digital, uh, you know, digital platforms. It, and then it's in the news and people are like, oh, Facebook is all bad and everything. It's not <laughs> like yesterday Facebook was like, we're going to like ruin your life and and, <laughs> and make the, the whole election confusing. And we're going to like, you know, we're, we're going to create all these conspiracy theories like, you know, it wasn't like Facebook set out to make 2020 uh, a living hell for everybody. It's no. been... <laughs> Think about all the data since Facebook was invented in 2004. All the, like, parties you attended and pictures you shared with your friends and and conversations with your ex-boyfriend from high school on Messenger that are there. Like, even if you delete it, it is still on Facebook because Facebook owns everything you put on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things one of the things that Teresa talked about um and I'm always so grateful for her opinion and how she'll share it in Space with us too um is that the algorithms themselves are written by a pretty homogenous group, right? Mm -hmm. And so primarily males, primarily in their 20s, um, primarily white, right? And so we've got a homogenous group of people who are coming up with uh, what's going to go in the algorithm and and how does that affect the way that it actually interacts with us, right? If it was a bit of a more diverse group who was responsible for writing those algorithms, you know, perhaps they would be written in a in a different way that maybe benefited more groups of people. Am I am I on the right track here, Adrian? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to say too, you know, thinking thinking about human nature and, you know, when when people go out to build an app or build a program, right? You you're all excited. You're like, "Oh, we're gonna, I'm going to invent something cool. I'm going to create all these buttons. So a, a new user will log in and they're going to like do these things and upload their their videos and and photos and it's going to be 
so much fun. And, you know, inventors, but the inventors don't get to force all of their users to use it in a certain way. Mm. So, right? So it's like, you know, um, it's kind of like, well, Snapchat is a great example. It was created by a, a young man um, who was like, oh, this will be great. You know, you can share photos and then they will disappear. I don't know if his intention was <laughs> to do this, was to like share, you know, for so young men can share dick pics with girls. I have no idea. <laughs> but, but maybe he was like, honestly, like, you know, I could see a scenario where it's like, this would be the coolest idea ever, right? And you're like, I would use it for good or I would use it for, for all these positive things maybe when things most start of the time yeah most of the time a lot of the times yeah <laughs> sorry um people create things and think oh this is my this is my use case this is the perfect use case my perfect user but once you give it out to the, to the people you can't control what they do with it so mm -hmm. facebook can't control when you know neo-nazis start to organize in groups on facebook and use different words because you know that they've figured out they, they can't control that because i mean maybe they did expect that but you know at the very beginning mark zuckerberg just made it just as for a rating system in college for people's faces but <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where if you have a bunch of people who get excited about building things and, and you have these ideas, you you don't think you, you don't really think about all of the bad ways people could use it, or at least you don't think that initially, right? And yeah. now what you have to do is be like, okay, this is why we invented this, but what are all the bad things people could do with this? And then you mm -hmm. have to expect that to happen. Uh, actually, that's really good because, um, Lacey, you were talking about the algorithms, and I was thinking, when you write the algorithms, it's not like I can write an algorithm because I write algorithms. Um, I just wanted to, you know, for the people that are like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I do. You're like, I, wait, I, I do. Write these it's things. me. Yeah. I, I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I can't write an algorithm that says I'm going to put content that a straight white male is going to like in front of people. Right. Honestly, when you write an algorithm, you're writing a thing that says give the user what they want. Mm -hmm. So when you come into Facebook, your algorithm is blank it it knows nothing about you um and it so mm. it starts just throwing things at you randomly like do you like this do you like this um i'm sure when you first opened up TikTok, uh if, if you can remember you got a wide variety of all sorts of crazy things that you would never be interested in in a million years and it's just the algorithms trying to figure out what what does this person like and as you start liking things it starts to figure you out and it starts to you know cater to you. So honestly, the issues that we're facing today are on us, the users, um, all of us, because we are the ones that decide what the algorithms are feeding us by how we interact with things, how we like things, how we share things, um, how we dislike things. Um, because oh, So here's something interesting. A dislike on something is still an interaction with that thing. And the algorithm yep. still looks at it and says, they interacted with it. We should give them more of this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's on us, the users, the issues that we're facing with the algorithms today. What's interesting is like, as soon as you said that, Seth, it, all the algorithm is, is what does this person like? And I'm like, well, that's not necessarily good for people. But no. then, because as a parent, right, to my children, I wouldn't be like, whatever you like all the time and more of it, more <laughs> and more and more of whatever Take you like. more. But also, I mean, I guess the social media platforms aren't our parents, right? Like, it's no. not really their responsibility. Um, I don't know. That's an interesting 
that's an interesting as soon as you put it that way more and more of what they like because if if we were going to change it to be more and more of what's good for them then who gets to decide what's good for us you right. know so plus we we go onto social media to get what we like I mean, if we logged on to <laughs> social media and, and it gave us things that weren't interesting to us, the platform would just go under. Does that mean we exactly. like to be mad? We because do. We, we, we do. log on, we log You're on so and say, right, "What so. should we be mad at today?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, let's go to a silly one for a second. So, okay. um, Sarah Carroll commented on this post and said, um, "Basically, the degradation of grammar." <laughs> That's what's wrong with social media. She's like, I, I can't stand it when people are just using the letters like R and U instead of RU. She's like, I skim over it. I can't believe it. I can't stand it. Um, has, has social media made uh, either of your grammar worse over time? Uh, honestly, it depends on the situation. So <laughs> if I'm doing like a post or something that is not important, sure, I'll throw in an R or a U. Uh -huh. um, if I'm writing my boss an email, you better believe that I'm going to double check that thing and make sure that it's, you know, perfect. It honestly depends on the situation. I do think that post is funny, though. because <laughs> Her response? <laughs> her response, yeah. Because if you take any English class um, in college, one of the first things they teach you is that the English language is alive and it's constantly mm. evolving and it's constantly changing. And we may get to a place where when you look up the letter U in the dictionary, it says Y-O-U, you know, definition mm -hmm. Y-O-U. Just because the English language is constantly morphing and changing to the people that are using it. We're not, we're not stuck in the past. So that one definitely made me laugh. Yeah. Well, I think uh, she brings up a really good point. I agree with you, Seth. I used to be a huge stickler about grammar and now I'm not. I have other things that I want to worry about in my life. So, but what she said, when I see it, I scroll right by. Okay, well then that piece of content was not made for you. Mm -hmm. It for depends sure. on your audience. So if you are, you know, uh, an admissions board at a college, you're not going to be using all kinds of slang. You're not going to be, you're going to make sure that all your grammar and sentences make sense. You're gonna, you're going to do that. Um, Probably lawyers, but lawyer, the, lawyers don't really hang out on social media, I've noticed. It's probably for a reason. <laughs> um, like doctors, you know, with, with COVID and with, with, with anything official, governmental, uh, any institutions that want to have, you know, have this high this level of credibility uh, and standards, obviously, yes, like they need to have grammar. I would understand if I saw something, if I, if I saw, if Harvard was trying to market to me, come and take an online Harvard <laughs> class. Like, see you there, see you. <laughs> I would be like, I would be like, what? That's irritating. But at the same time, you know, between interpersonal, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, my grammar has just gone downhill. Um, but I don't, I'm, again, I don't think it's like a bad thing. <laughs> well, no, think about like Twitter, where you're, you only yeah. get a certain amount of characters. So it makes sense to sub out a few words for the letter if you can squeeze a few more things in. Punctuation, those are characters. So it, it makes sense to leave them out if you can squeeze in a few more um, things and get your thought across. So there are some yeah. places where, where doing some substitution with your grammar is completely, to me, acceptable. Yeah. 
I, I feel like I've gotten better at grammar since focusing on social media because it doesn't mean that it's the same way that you would have done it in like writing an essay in college um, or in high school. Um, but I like things to be clean because I don't want there to be any distractions around <laughs> what I'm trying to communicate. So I don't really care if you're using some sort of substitute like R and U. I wouldn't do it personally, but uh, I don't care about that. But I want your periods to be in the right places. I want you to be using bullet points. I want you to... This is why our highest trafficked piece of content is the emoji grammar blog that we wrote a while ago. <laughs> um, because I was like so tired of seeing people use emojis improperly that I was like, we are coming up with whatever the proper grammar is and 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 that's what people are i mean people are searching it that's been our highest piece of content um trafficked like for the last year so yeah. i also think it's it's i think she also brings up a good point as well not just with grammar but with language i think that communicating is so important for everyone and precise communication is very important and punctuation can help you with precise communication and that is extremely important and and depending on your audience you're going to use you're going to punctuate and and write differently i think also though with like inclusivity talking about mm. we've been having been talking a lot about inclusivity uh with writing and what, what what kind of content we create there's also words that when we're lazy we revert to these words that might have a history of, you know, putting a specific group down. Mm, this is an interesting point, Adrian. So like the word, like like the word dumb, for instance, it historically has been used to uh, describe people who, who cannot speak. might have hearing loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or can't speak. So I didn't really think about that. And I read, an, I read an article about it, about about inclusive language. And I saw that and I had just literally had a story I think it was a I think I wrote something I posted something on my personal page about and I used that word and then I thought oh my gosh that word I use that quite often (laughs) (laughs) to describe you know when when you're frustrated with the world with the world around you you know we we have these words that we kind of are we we just kind of jump on and we use them when we're lazy and tired and we don't want to put the time and effort in to really use our words really well but I think if you know, if I can kind of, you know, uh, what's the right word for it? Kind of uh, pivot from what she's saying with grammar. I think also using our words really well is very important, so that we, you know, speak inclusively and, you know, potentially don't hurt somebody else. So, so anyway, that's kind of one thing well, that I've been thinking about a lot lately. I've, I've on that same vein, I've been hearing so many talk, so many people talk about how sensitive everybody is now and how everything can't be, you know, you can't say anything anymore. And I got to be honest, I don't mind it. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, this is called accountability, (laughs) you know, like, like figure it out. Okay. Now we have all this access to information. You know, before we might've been making these choices about what language we were using and what words we were calling people and what little phrases we were taught as kids that we're using now, that now all of a sudden we're learning come from like these oppressive things that were done to groups of people. Right. And so, so what, so what that you have to just think a little bit more about what you say? Oh, I'm so sorry that you have to think just a little bit more about the words you say because people are going to hold you accountable now. Yeah, okay. it's true. And, <laughs> and also, yeah, and also it, it's kind of it's kind of like 
When you're that tired and, and run down and emotionally vulnerable that you get on the internet and, and type out a, a screed using slurs and, and bah, you know, all this, you know, we, we've all seen them, right? We've probably done them a little bit, you know? <laughs> we've probably even done it, maybe. <laughs> but, but to be honest, when you're in that state, you shouldn't be on the internet. You should just step away and be like, I am not going to use my words well. I'm going to not be clear. I might say something that I w will regret. I am just going to pause and take a nap and then pop up in a dictionary and call, who who's the person that mentioned the grammar? Sarah. Sarah, call Sarah. How, sh um, how should I tell if this person grammatically correctly? Grammatically correctly? <laughs> um, I've got one more piece before we move on to the last couple things, but um, I mean, this happened to me just this last week, this last couple weeks. I put out our post at the beginning of Women's History Month, and um, I actually ended up deleting like a paragraph that I had had in there. I had a friend who messaged me, and she's like, hey, do you want any feedback on your Women's History post? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> you know, she's like, you can say no. You know, you're fine. You can say no. But I'm like, sure. And one of the things that I had done is I had referenced the fact that it was 101 years ago that the um, amendment was passed allowing women, allowing, um, making sure that women did not uh, lose the right to vote, right? Um, however, what I didn't understand before some more research is that actually really only impacted uh, white women, women of color did not have, were not granted that same right at that time. And so, you know, she gave me that little bit of information. I, you know, did the research I needed to, to confirm that I was, I was not, um, speaking as clearly and inclusively as possible and chose to remove that paragraph. So, um, we got to welcome the accountability. It's learning, it's learning, it's learning, it's learning. It is. It is. So, but to wrap up though, sometimes I just fill up all of my mm, paragraphs with emojis. So, <laughs> and multiple explanation points. I love that. Everyone will probably hate, hate me to say that. I love the exclamation points. <laughs> okay, so um, there's a couple more things. I think I'm gonna choose uh, maybe one more for us to go over here. We won't be able to cover everything, but um, the one that I think is probably the most important is uh, social media addiction. Okay, so so when we talk about what's wrong with social media, I don't think we can have that conversation without um, addiction. Uh, Seth, are you addicted to social media? Oh, yeah. Are you? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I would totally admit to that. How, how bad is it? Not terrible. Like I, I mentioned at the beginning of this thing that I took a break from social media. And generally when I do that, it's because I realize that I'm spending just way too much time on it and getting way too attached. Because um, we, we get like, we get vested in it. You know, if if your favorite TikToker didn't post today, you need to know why. I was going to ask, <laughs> so, is it TikTok's fault? <laughs> oh, it's totally TikTok. Honestly, I, I've been getting further and further away from Facebook and even Instagram just I don't know. I think I'm getting younger. <laughs> oh, are you? Wow. Amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know. TikTok just seems to be far more entertaining to me than Facebook or Insta right now. So I like it's that. So, so that's you're getting younger. <laughs> it's so easy to get addicted to social media. Um, it's so, so easy. If we don't put parameters in place and we don't actually try to be in control, we, we just are, you know, we, it's 
on our hip. It's on our hand. It's with us so much. Adrian, how are you managing that right now? I mean, I know we all have problems. And so we're all just kind of like a different level of addicted at this point. Um, yeah. How are you feeling in regards to social media addiction right now in your life? I feel like like medium addicted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel maybe an upward trend. Um, I I so it's kind of like drugs or alcohol. You know when when you were in um, in college when I was in college anyway, and I knew I had finals coming. I had all these things I had to do. I had to all these responsibilities, and maybe I wasn't getting enough sleep. Maybe I was not getting enough to eat. And you have you know you you're emotionally raw and run down, and you fill it with something easy. You know, it's hard to just sit with yourself and be and say, I need to do the work. I need to do my work. I need to do these things. I because you just don't want to. And it's easier Mm -hmm. to do something that's easy, like go out and have beers with your friends. Or it's easy to pick up your phone and, and scroll on Facebook. Like these addictions or vices or whatever. I mean, social media is a total uh kind of, you know, a substance. And so I I feel like whenever Whenever, you know, I have a lot of, a lot on my plate or I'm just feeling, for whatever reason, emotionally d- ragged, uh, that is when I tend to uh, just dive into social media, you know, and it's it, – that – that is just – I think it's true for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also – with – the pandemic and everything i'm a total extrovert i remember back in the day before smartphones i had the flip phones you know mm-hmm. i remember being a young a young lady and i would you know text my friends text my friends and then i would literally like lay in bed and just like watch my phone be like somebody write me back mm-hmm. please <laughs> so i want somebody to write me back you know but that like connection and mm-hmm. so it's kind of people writing to you and the notifications remind you that you exist and that people know that you exist and mm-hmm. are saying yeah we see you we see you and you're like i i'm seen so <laughs> I think that also it's it's when you're emotionally ragged and you want to be seen is is when when for me when I really start to just binge. I would wear a t-shirt that said emotionally ragged. Um, it actually makes me think uh, one of the last kind of pieces that people had talked about is the idea of, um, like keyboard warriors or, you know, that the problem on social media is people or, you know, our, our good friend Brett, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago said, there's no real conversation happening, right? People don't come with an open mind. Um, I would love, I always like to kind of dream about future tech. You know, and so I would love if like social media could scan me before I get on. And it's like, you are feeling emotionally ragged. Today, we will only show you cat videos, you yeah. know. Um, and, and you, you can't message anybody. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, you are feeling inspired. You know, you may enter this group now. Um, I, I would like this world. Um, okay. What you're allowed to do on social media is dependent on your on your emotions that day. I have Adrian. an idea. Okay, okay. I feel like we're, we should just put this out there in the, in the internet. And if anybody hears this and, and takes this idea from us, you can go for it because because yes. just take it. But it could be like an like an app or something, and it could be called mm. Mood Ring. Mood Ring. <gasps> and and I love you, it. you log on, and somehow, I don't know how it was since, 
your mood, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, um, your eye dilation. I've thought of it. <laughs> yeah, and it gives you like a little color, and then it could just you know like a mood ring, but you could call it mood ring. Stop and it, then Adrian. just have it be a little that. like extension on Facebook or something. Like add it as an extension. I don't know if Facebook even has extensions. Facebook, maybe you should make make extensions. We're coming up Seth, with all these ideas. Seth, can you develop this for us? Because you write algorithms. So. I totally could, actually. I was totally just thinking. I'm like, we could totally write this thing in Java, and we could uh, have it access the um, laser reader for the fingers, and we could totally see? make this happen. Okay, see? I'm just not sure how to link it to your social media to where it like locks you out if oh, you don't true. meet the right uh -huh. requirements. It could read your mood, but maybe it couldn't uh, adjust yeah, your... It could give you advice. Like It pops up and says, you probably should not go on Facebook today. <laughs> but if that was the case, I would just write an app that every time you opened it, it would say, you probably should not go on social media today. Right. So, I don't know. Part of the mood, the mood ring, it would it would measure you and your biometric data, but then would also know if, if like, your ex-girlfriend or boyfriend was just came back from Paris and got proposed to and had all these like <laughs> pictures that are gonna set you off into a tailspin, you know, those kind of pictures. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've oh, all yeah. seen those kind of pictures, or like uh, people alluded to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's like you should not be. Let's let's not go. Let's not go on social media today. <laughs> and you're like, thank you, mood ring. I'm gonna go <laughs> bake a pie. I don't know. <laughs> Here are five other options you could do. You could you yeah. could do right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I like this. Love this idea. <laughs> Well, I, I think we got through, honestly, a lot of the things that are wrong with social media. Certainly, there's many, many more. And I think it's just important for us to take a break every once in a while from love and light, positive vibes only, to um, to talk about and remind ourselves what is wrong. Um, we can spend all our time focusing on what's good and what, what people are doing with the platforms that are good. But if we don't keep talking about what's wrong with the platform, then we're not going to necessarily make any real progress forward. It's all going to stay superficial. So, um, so I hope we can continue talking about what's wrong with social media and wrong and wrong and wrong until we can make it a little bit more right, you know? Well, I mean, it did its work today. We were talking about what's wrong with it, and we already came up with a potential idea to fix I know. it partially. We wouldn't have done that if we weren't talking about what's wrong. So Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I always like to close with a question about how your relationship is doing with social media right now. So, Seth, you talked about it a little bit already, but give me a give me a brief overview. How's how's your relationship with social media? How you doing? I've actually been taking pretty much of a break from all social media. I'll jump on TikTok for a couple of minutes here or there, but um, just stepping away from it for now and you know, recentering, realizing there's a world outside the window. What are you doing with your time otherwise? Like, I'm running a lot, um, studying different things, uh, looking up stuff for work, just things I should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll take a break sometime soon. Spring break is coming up. Maybe we can align um, with a nice social media break for everybody around spring break. Yeah. That'd be fun. We could make a campaign about that. I was just you know? thinking. Like, I was just thinking that. <laughs> spring break, we're all taking a break from social media. Hashtag spring break from social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. it. I love okay. it. 
We'll work on it. <laughs> Idea <Yay>. two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Adrian, Seth, thank, thank you so much for your time this evening. And for those of you who are listening, we are grateful for your time as well. We hope to see you um, on any of our social channels or in our um, SpriceBase Facebook group. Um, but whatever you're doing, we hope that you keep learning. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.